1: And the collection is free of sulfates, parabens, dyes, and mineral oil. So experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection.
0: The only way is through. A new podcast in partnership with iHeartRadio and Under Armour. Players, coaches, and athletes will share intimate and personal stories of performing at the highest level. Here is Canadian heptathlete Georgia Ellenwood. The
2: reason I won is because on that day I was confident. I need to continue that mentality to understand that I can be an Olympic athlete. I can compete with the best in the world and just perform.
0: Listen to The Only Way is Through. Available now on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Hey, this is Emily. And this is Bridget. And you're listening to Stuff Mom Never Told You. Today we are tackling a question that I found a little surprising through the research in preparation for today. As someone who works a lot with folks, uh, in the professional development sphere, I always am a big proponent of saying that, you know, work, love, and wellness are connected, that we can't be our authentic selves unless we bring our full self to the workplace. But I was actually really reminded of some of my straight cisgender privilege and blind spots on this issue when I was actually talking with a, a former Bossed Up Boot Camp alum who wrote a great piece on our blog about whether to come out at work, whether to, you know, if you identify as LGBTQ, to bring that full part of who you are to the workplace and she wrote a great piece for our website on it that really inspired today's conversation because I I did a little bit of searching I said should you come out at work
3: isn't it? it's 2017 of course this should be a non-issue and boy was I wrong President Obama before he left office he signed into law some workplace protections for LGBTQ folks and that was great mm-hmm. uh but, for like a second yeah and then One of the first moves that Trump made um, as president back in March was to rescind that. And so currently there are not um, those, those kinds of protections for LGBTQ folks making it so that they don't get fired at work for who they are.
2: Yeah, which blew my mind. I thought, and this is so ignorant of me in retrospect, but I thought, especially with the federal passage of marriage equality in our country, That the protections in that domain would be indicative of the other equality type protections we have for LGBT, gay, lesbian people's right to exist without discrimination. And as it turns out, it is still very much legal uh, as of March 2017 to be fired in 28 states in the United States of America just for being gay.
3: Just for your sexuality. Right. And that's more than half the states in the U.S., and that's, that's staggering. And I think yeah. it's easy, you know, I was a big, obviously a big proponent of marriage equality, but I think it was very easy to have that issue be the juggernaut issue that, that seemed to be facing, um, LGBTQ folks. Right. And I think that, you know, it was easy to sort of be like, oh, Glad that's done, and move up, move away from issues that are still facing the community right. in, in very real ways. And
2: that's why I think today's episode is so important to just draw attention to. We cannot forget those who live at those intersections, and we cannot forget about our LGBT brothers and sisters, and and be good allies in the continued and essential fight for equality for LGBTQ Americans. So let's let's talk about. Some of what has been written beautifully uh, in many different publications um, about the benefits of coming out at work, and clearly the drawbacks, which we've already alluded to, um, which really could be easily eliminated with the swipe of pen, yeah, a pin, and, really. and really should be, should be obviously. Um, but it, it's complicated, so we'll we'll come back to that story because the fight for equality when it comes to workplace discrimination goes on and is very much hanging in the balance right now. Um, But first, I wanted to acknowledge uh, some of the very clear um, benefits for coming out at work. And I found this interesting. This is a piece that uh, I initially had this visceral reaction to. Um, by Megan Evans in the Huffington Post, why coming out at work is vital for you and your employer. And at, at first I was like, wait, did you know that you can't force people to feel like they're hiding something or that it's vital to come out at work because it can be a serious employment yeah. liability. Yeah,
3: I mean, I, I want to be clear with this episode. Right. That I am not suggesting that people come out or not come out. I think that it's important to just get a lay of the land of the situation right. and sort of the pluses and minuses and all of that. I'm We are not saying no, we are do not. one or the other. We're saying make the right
2: choice for you. But what I realized through reading this long laundry list of the benefits of coming out, that this loud, she identifies as a loud and proud lesbian. Um, as she's writing, I came to realize I understand her perspective because She's writing from the United Kingdom, where oh. the 2010 passage of the Equality Act made this kind of discrimination illegal. So well, it's a non-issue. Nice. So yeah. So that privilege imbues this article. Um, but I mean, I thought she made some really excellent points, uh, including. One, you'll lead a more fulfilling life because you won't have to feel like you're living a life of shame or silence or secrecy, hiding who you are from your colleagues. There's an argument from that has been well-established that you might actually be more productive at work. Mm. Outstanding, which is an advocacy organization, um, capital O-U-T, Outstanding, found that... Oh, I get it. You got it?
3: <laughs> that was lost on me at first, but I get it.
2: <laughs> found that 85% of those... Um, who answered that they're closeted at work, found that they were wasting, quote, too much energy pretending that they're heterosexual. Furthermore, 61% said that they subsequently, they do not work as hard for their company.
3: See, I think that's fascinating because it's this idea that we need to be able to show up as our authentic selves at work and that, you know, I can imagine that if you feel like you're not showing up as yourself, it's easy to feel not in, like, not engaged or not, sort of like, they have yes. not invested in who I really yes. am. Why should I invest in them in that yes. way? So, they're not letting you be your true self. So, why? So, they don't get your full self. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It makes me think of all the research and
2: all the resources being poured into engagement at work, employee mm. engagement, because that's where the sort of crux of productivity really lay. And if you can't feel respected and if you don't feel your workplace is a tolerant climate, you're not gonna you're gonna feel deprived and you're gonna as according to Daniel Pink's amazing research in his book Drive, you'll feel more able to justify stealing all the post-it notes. You know what I mean? Yeah, like or They like, don't they don't respect me, so I'm not gonna respect them. And so I, I'm gonna justify morally questionable behavior. Right. And in sort of um subversive behavior, as an employee who doesn't feel like I can show up and be myself.
3: Totally, And I felt this way, sadly, in different workplace situations where you feel like you are not able to be yourself and wearing a mask all day is really unpleasant. And so, you know, you're in a, like, you. it's bad to feel as if you can't wait to get out of the office so you can be your real self. I'm sure everyone feels that way to a certain extent, but to feel like you are... Pretending to be someone else all day. You by the time the clock strikes five, you're probably like, "See ya." Yeah. This has been exhausting and you know emotionally taxing, and I need to you know Nobody get out of here. Understands me.
2: We want to be understood and respected for who we actually are. Exactly. And sexuality is such a big part of that. You know what I mean? So M- Marty Chavez, who was Goldman Sachs's CIO, said, "Quote: Gay people are happier, healthier, and more productive if they feel they can bring their whole selves to work." So. There, I mean, we don't want to, and I think Bridget's made this made this clear already. Megan makes it clear in her great article in the Huffington Post. We don't want to say like, here's all the good reasons you'll feel better. Just come out and be you, and be loud and be proud, as though there's not a ton of privilege that goes into making that kind of a big decision. But it it certainly sounds like the benefits of coming out writ large in your in your life would trickle over as well into the professional space. We want to create tolerant cultures and work cultures where all people feel like they can bring their true, true selves to the workplace.
3: Definitely. I think that's so true just in general for everybody. Everybody, yeah. everybody wants to feel good about when they when they go into work. And one of the things I found very, you know, kind of easy to get behind in reading about the benefits of coming out at work was this idea that you can be a role model to others. Yeah. And I think that that is something that's easy to overlook but that, you know, when you see someone who is out and proud and being their being themselves, you never know who who is seeing that and who you're inspiring and who you are giving courage to 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 you know yeah. live their truth.
2: Yeah, exactly. And obviously, we shouldn't put the responsibility of you know moving the the. Social justice movement forward on this issue on gay people. Absolutely. But there's an element here which is, you know, being yourself can inspire others to do the same and it can inspire those who don't identify as a LGBTQ to be more tolerant and less ignorant.
3: <laughs> Straight folks and cis folks, there's a, there's a role. This isn't just, this isn't on the backs of, no. of you know the the marginalized it right. can't be right everybody has a role in getting us to where we need to be on this issue right
2: however to address some of the drawbacks because there are many and there there are real concerns to be considered if you have navigated this question in your own life uh only 19 states and Washington D.C. shout out to the district have passed laws preventing LGBT Americans from being discriminated against by employers Three others protect employees on the basis of sexual orientation, but not gender identity. So they leave out our transgender Americans. So
3: what? Yeah, I mean, that just sounds to me like one of those cases where the law has not kept up with what our society actually looks like because our... Our country and our work, and by extension, our workforce is diverse. We, you know, occupy many places on the gender spectrum. We occupy, you know, different sexual orientations. And our laws do not seem to have kept, you know, caught up with that. kept
2: pace, for sure. And in 2013, more than one in five LGBT Americans told the Pew Research researchers that they'd been mistreated by an employer because of their sexual orientation or gender identity. So mistreated here is obviously kind of a vague term, but it's a good reminder that the overt kind of discrimination, like being legally fired for being out, is one kind of discrimination, but the the less overt um, is just as significant because you can, it can mean less work satisfaction, less respect, you know, microaggressions right. being levied your way that can take a toll psychologically as well as professionally and economically.
3: And it's, you know, these things really do add up. And someone once described microaggressions as sort of someone chipping away at you bit by bit. And that's just no way to exist in a workplace where you go every day. Exactly.
2: In fact, you know, I found this a little bit Scary to, to think in my liberal bubble <laughs> that is this city. Um, but research has found that a third of Americans are uncomfortable with LGBTQ colleagues wow. in the office. So, according to GLAAD, to the non LGBTQ respondents of their survey, they asked on a scale of like one to ten how uncomfortable they feel working next to quote people who are exploring or questioning their sexual orientation. And 31% of people reported feeling very or somewhat uncomfortable. See that strikes me
3: again in my in my liberal bubble. Right. That strikes me as a huge number. But then again, I mean, I I have southern roots and I can imagine, right. you know, I'll, I it's not difficult to imagine who these folks are and what their lives are like that they are, you know, reporting that they you know are, are uncomfortable mm. with their, you know, it's Gay co-worker
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's an other, it's an otherness, right and I think in a society where, you know, we just it's Pride Month here in D.C. We just saw the Pride Parade. You know, this uh, whole I was c- in it. There you <laughs> Damn girl. So we've got this whole city is up in rainbow streamers, and we're we're talking about these statistics that just go to show you and remind you that not every city and not every town looks like Washington D.C. this month. Right. And. That level of foreignness or otherness of not knowing or not being comfortable with another person who's different from you in some way can create this discomfort, uh, and it, it does make sense. But but the, the ramifications are real here. We've got uh, we've got a lawsuit. We'll come back to, but I want to mention briefly here. Kimberly Hive filed a lawsuit against her community college that she believes fired her for being a lesbian. Matthew Christensen, a gay man, sued his employer of Om- Omnicom. Uh, after the chief digital officer allegedly called him a bottom and drew pictures of him as a half horse, what and harassed him for being for his sexuality last year, UCLA's Williams Institute found that twenty percent of LGBTQ people report being discriminated against during an interview. Ugh. So there are, I mean. You know, what is the drawback? Prejudice. Yeah. Bias. Like, deep-seated, if yeah. not reflected in pop culture, discomfort around LGBT Americans. Which surprises me in the era of Glee. You know what I mean? Yeah. In the era of... Uh,
3: what's that drag race?
2: on RuPaul's Drag yeah, Race? Yeah, thank you.
3: RuPaul's Drag Race. Like, we are still... We have a long it's still, way to go. I mean, and this is something that I, I say a lot, and I, I know I've referenced to marriage equality earlier, but... This is a battleground, and Mm. I think that it's easy to imagine that, you know, once we got marriage equality, things were, you know, tidy, but it's still a battleground, right? Like, look at the statistics around trans youth who are homeless. Like, people are fighting for their lives, and I think I was a little bit salty, even as someone who was a huge proponent of marriage equality, obviously, that it seemed like once we hit that milestone, people—it was easy to lose interest, and so many—getting married is a beautiful thing, and it is a— it's a, I almost swore, but it is a right. Yeah, right? like fight for that right. right. fight for that right, right for sure. But don't forget that people are out here right. losing their livelihoods. People are out here getting attacked. Like the the, the numbers around trans women of, of color who are murdered and like their murders just go unsolved. Like it's nothing. It's like unreal. We have such a long way to go when it comes to mm-hmm. fighting for the uh, the people in this country who are LGBTQ and this human rights and their just their just ability to just exist and you know provide for themselves and their families and just have, have basic, like, just their humanity. Right.
2: And I will, I'll be the first to admit that I, it fell out of my purview with the ascendance of Donald Trump. Somehow it just, like, I really was surprised in doing this research of how, how much of a huge rollback the administration, the new administration has been for gay Americans and how... Basic workplace protections are not in place for, like, who would come out in this climate at work? This seems insanely risky and dangerous to me. But um, there is a lawsuit in the works, and we're going to talk about that and, and what that means, what the ramifications could mean around how we might be able to move this political
0: ball forward after a quick break. Okay.
1: So you'll want to enjoy your Good Girls experience in a spoiler-free zone. The all-new,
0: all-hilarious season of Good Girls, Sundays on NBC and stream anytime.
2: And we're back. And we're fired up because this world is not treating LGBTQ Americans fairly. And I think it's a really, really important consideration for those of whom are considering coming out at work. Should you come out at work? Should you not? Is this something you've dealt with? We absolutely want to hear from you. Uh, but first, a wonky update.
3: A wonky update? <laughs> a wonky update. <laughs> this is like beep, 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 yeah. Wonk update. Wonk update coming uh, through the bulletin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we were just talking off air about how when Trump got elected, it was kind of easy to sort of kind of get lost on this issue in terms of LGBTQ Americans and where they're at in terms of having their rights taken away or being left to live their lives. Right. And I think that it's cl- it's important to point out that this is by design by the Trump administration. Um early on in January, the administration re- Said that they were not going to mess with the Obama era protections around LGBTQ folks in the workplace. And they were like, no, no, we're not going to mess with it. We're going to just let it be. And people were like, okay, well, and this was back in January. So it sort of seemed to be setting the tone. Yes, it seemed to be setting the tone (laughs) for, you know, perhaps this would be an issue that he, you know, his administration would not be terrible on. Uh, But then they changed their tune in March. And when they signed the order rescinding Obama's workplace protections for LGBTQ, LGBTQ, LGBTQ <laughs> Americans. It's a mouthful. I get it's it. a mouthful. Uh, they did so kind of covertly. Now, this is an administration that loves a fanfare. He loves a you know a dramatic signing, and so I think that it's important to note that it is. It's tough to know where we are on that forefront, right? Like just maybe like last month, the administration teased this religious liberty executive order that then turned out to be sort of nothing like they said it was going to be. So this mm. is an administration that is, I think hell-bent on folks like you and I being a little confused on where they stand on these issues. Right. Yeah. And it's... So, well, I feel somewhat
2: less bad, then, for totally missing it. Yeah, Thank don't you. feel bad. Thank you for that. But I, I couldn't feel more um, like this is a more important topic than for all of us to stay, stay woke on, especially feminists. I think this is a perfect example of intersectionality, where... Gay women, lesbian women get missed at that margin very often. And that's that's not okay. So we've got executive orders to keep our eye on, which included, by the way, when he when Donald Trump rescinded workplace protections for Americans that the Obama administration had put in place, he also rescinded uh, protections for LGBTQ youth to access bathrooms without gender conforming. Uh, labels on them, yeah. And right
3: to me, I mean, not to get on my my soapbox, but
0: if you get are, on that soapbox, yeah, Bridget.
1: if you are
3: like a trans middle school student, like why is the president picking on, like you, like you, you are already marginalized, right? If you're, if first of all, if you're in middle school, you're just a kid, like, and I think that you know it's easy to sort of paint this issue as, oh, it's just bathrooms, who cares? But this is the ability to just be yourself. This is the ability to live and just be left alone and not have to feel like you're living in fear or that, you know, whatever. Just And that was one of the first things he did in Office was making, you know, in my mind, like, passing legislation or rescinding legislation that protects sort of the most marginalized among us. Right.
2: Now, aside from what the administration has been doing, Bridget, this is also very much a legal battle that's being waged in district courts across the United States. And I'm sure all of our attorney listeners will be able to correct the exact verbiage (laughs) that I'm using here. But, you know, local courts, not the Supreme Court, although it is very... Much rumored that this is going to be an issue taken up by the Supreme Court soon. So TBD, um, but the, the court system is where this battle is waging and has made some recent news as of April, right? So in April 2017, the Chicago court ruled that the Civil Rights Act, uh, of what, 1965? I feel like it's the Civil Rights Act of 1967. 64. 64. Okay, first one. I was pretty fast. <laughs> the Civil Rights Act of 1964 um, should expand to include sexual orientation. Because as of now, it says you can't discriminate against people based on race, class, gender, sex. Right. But sex initially imbued gender, and now this Chicago
3: court ruled that it extends to sexual orientation. Right. And just like we were talking about earlier in the show, I think this is a case of our, the way that our laws are written and framed, not keeping up with what our society actually looks like, right? We have a diverse uh, workforce, and I'm not saying there weren't LGBTQ folks, you know, in the 60s, or certainly, certainly, certainly were, were, but this understanding of sex just meaning gender and not kind of encapsulating what it means in terms of sexual identity or gender expression or any of that, I think Mm. feels like a throwback in a way that our laws have just not kept up with our shifting workforce. And I think
2: this is always, that's always true, right? The laws on the books are always catching up to society and culture, but they also inform one another in terms of concrete protections that currently not all Americans receive. So let's, let's dig into this lawsuit. So... As of April in Chicago, the case that stemmed from Kimberly Hively versus the Ivy Tech Community College, which we mentioned earlier very right. briefly, she uh, she sued based on. Uh, being fired for what she felt was her sexual identity or sexual orientation, rather. And the New York Times covered this development because that's where, in this Chicago uh, Chicago court, <laughs> ruled that the Civil Rights Act should include and does apply to include sexual orientation. So the New York Times reads that the decision by the United States Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit, the highest federal court yet, To grant such employee protections raises the chances that the politically charged issue may ultimately be resolved by the Supreme Court. And while an appeal is not expected in this case, the one in Chicago, another appellate court in Georgia last month, they're talking about February now, 2017, reached the opposite conclusion, saying that the civil rights law, the Civil Rights Act, that law does not prohibit um, discrimination at work for gay employees. So it's sort of like a double negative there. But what they're saying is in Georgia, they said, hey, you can be fired for being gay. This law doesn't protect you. But this uh, appeal or not this appeal, this this uh, Chicago Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit says that this right absolutely does apply in protecting
3: LGBTQ Americans at work. Right. It's a little confusing, but something that I, I want to pull from that is the idea that we were talking about a little earlier that these issues are sort of settled or you don't have to worry about them anymore. You know, we've moved on past that. Yay, equality, we did it. When in fact, this is a, 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 a issue that's in flux and it's very much, you know, there are current updates on it. There are, right. it's, it's a shifting, changing thing. So certainly it's something to still be caring about, be worrying about, and be thinking about.
2: Yeah. And HRC's blog has been monitoring the status, but we haven't really seen much national news since the April decision in Chicago. So people are waiting to see, will there be an appeal? Will this be taken up by the Supreme Court? And what's interesting is, um, the partisan nature of this decision. So, What's fascinating is here in the Chicago decision, they concluded – this is from the New York Times – they concluded that such discrimination was no different from a form of sex discrimination, which the law prohibits. Five of the eight judges in the majority were appointed by Republican presidents. Wow. So it's really it's it's a, the devil's in the details when it comes to legal scholarship here. Like this is that the right use legal scholarship? scholarship? Yeah, yeah. It's like the the actual study of the law right. and does this apply? But what's interesting is that judges across the country are differing, Chicago versus Georgia, but the Chicago court is a higher court. Right. So, you know, do if this does get taken up by the Supreme Court to make a clear and
3: conclusive ruling, you know, I think that would be very good. Yes. Right? Um, I think it would be good, but I also think this is why, and I, I hate to go back to this, and I feel like I go back to it every day in my <laughs> mind, unfortunately, Aww. but, you know, when, pe- when I knew people who were like, oh, it doesn't matter, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump are the same, and it's like, actually, who think about the Supreme Court, think about who the, the groups of people who are making these kinds of rulings that impact the lives of everyday folks. Right. If that doesn't matter to you, then okay, but it does matter to a lot of people. Right. So Donald Trump did fill that seat. He did.
2: He, that was like one of the first things we talked he about did. Him and it, doing. And what's it's not good.
3: maddening is that you know before Obama left office, he wanted it to be Garland, and Republicans dragged their feet. And then and, and, when, and Stonewall. I yeah. mean, they
2: completely it, left that seat vacant on the Supreme
3: Court for months, for a very close long to time, a year. yeah, which and, is absurd to me. Know. Um, you know, do your job. Hashtag do your do job. Your job. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and so I think that's why. These kinds of things are so important. It mm. matters who's on the Supreme Court. If, 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 Yes.
2: And it's scary to think about what would happen. I mean, I think it would be good for the Supreme Court to rule on this once and for all. But what is the likelihood that they're going to reach the same conclusion that they reached in Chicago? We don't really know. And, you know, employment law differs explicitly here from public opinion, which I thought was a really interesting point. Uh, point in Fast Company's coverage of this, in which they said one reason why so much of this remains unsettled is because Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, which was passed in 1964 and bars discrimination on the basis of, quote, race, color, religion, sex, or national origin end quote, doesn't offer explicit protections for gender identity or sexual orientation. So it's really just in the last half century of case law that this act's provision has been interpreted as applying to LGBT Americans, and then in very limited ways. Um, So, yeah, it's concerning. And what's interesting is that um, even if they do rule that it applies, that the Equal Rights Act applies to uh, LGBTQ Americans, protects trans rights based on gender identity, and protects gay people's rights based on sexual orientation, the non-discrimination protections actually only apply to employers of at least 15 people. And as the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, Writes on their website, "quote: Figuring out whether or not an employer is covered can be complicated. So it's the 15 employee threshold, because it as a, at a minimum. But then again, that even can vary, quote, depending on the type of employer. For example, whether the employer is a private company, a state or local government agency, a federal agency, an employment agency, or a labor union, and the kind of discrimination that's been alleged. So beyond the 15 person threshold, the tax status of who you're working for." And beyond that, those two things, you also need to have worked for your company for at least 20 weeks before filing a complaint with the EEOC.
3: So this is so absurd to me because, like, why are we making this so complicated? It doesn't matter who you are, how you present. you got to be able to make a livelihood for yourself and your family. It doesn't make any sense to me at all why, you know, we're making it hard to just do that. Well, because businesses don't want to be sued. They don't want to go to court. Then don't be. They want to hire
2: and fire whoever they want, which is part of the reason the gig economy is so big. Right. Because contract employees don't have any of these rights. Right. So it's way easier to discriminate based on contract employees or at will employment. You can fire for- without cause. So I think workers' rights writ large have just been eroded, like continuously over the past century. And the 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 Lack of application, frankly, that labor unions have to our generation in particular is very concerning to me.
3: Well, and I mean, I wouldn't even just say they're eroding. I would say they're eroding and it's, and the erosion of labor protections is being sold back to us as a good thing. Like, hey, you can be fired for no reason. Enjoy. It's like, oh, how? mm, Be your own boss. Let freedom ring. (laughs) Yeah, it's disturbing. (laughs) And,
2: but then it goes back to the questions we were asking in the gig economy episode of loyalty. Do employees feel a sense of loyalty anymore? Do employers? And if so, you know, the price of loyalty is potential litigation. Yeah. So it's messed up, but we're all paying like so many companies I know are paying lots of money for engagement consulting and for people who know how to retain and develop talent. Wink, they're paying me to do that sometimes. <laughs> and you know, there's a very vested interest in the business community in learning how to retain our generation. And part of me wants to be like, remember labor unions, read their playbook, right? Like maybe you know, maybe give us some more protections and give them. Equally,
3: and just as a side note, even if you are like a freelancer or a contract um, employee, oftentimes there are um, unions you can join. I was in the freelancers yes. union for a long time. That's
2: a really good um, point. even though
3: I was a freelancer and you know worked for myself.
2: So one. I think that's a really, really good point. And one other wonky component here that I think is important to mention – and, y'all, we don't want to, like, totally bore you with the legalese behind this because there's a lot of it, and I'm sure we can continue this conversation on our Twitter feed. <laughs> but um I think it's important to mention – and this was straight off the HRC blog – that there is a congressional piece of legislation that would also solve this. So we've got the the Trump administration wonk update covered. We got the Supreme Court potentially getting involved here. But member Congress, <laughs> sometimes, Who? yeah, sometimes they're good
0: for something,
2: <laughs> and they could also solve this problem if uh, the majority leader, if Speaker Paul Ryan gave a sh- uh, gave any kind of uh, what can I say here? <laughs> if he cared at all about this, which he clearly has has made very clear after dodging question after question about whether they're going to bring this up, that he, he does not make this a priority. However, HRC's blog writes that the overwhelming majority of Americans support full federal equality for LGBTQ people. Polling released last year by the Nonpartisan Public R- Religion Research Institute, PRRI, found that support for a bill like the Equality Act, which is the legislation that was just reintroduced, I think from... um from a from a bipartisan standpoint but isn't going to be taken up for a vote unfortunately uh, found that support for a bill like the equality act topped 70 percent nationally including a majority of democrats republicans and independents so this the groundbreaking survey included forty two thousand interviews in 50 states and found majority support for the equality act in all 50
3: states wow i mean it's unfathomable to me that when you have such a groundswell of public support that 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 Acts like that and bills like that and legislation like that is just sitting there, you know, and not getting passed. And not going to be voted on, probably. So when
2: asked, when they asked um, Paul Ryan, are we going to vote on the Equality Act? He just has
3: continuously dodged the question,
2: which is a D.C. way of saying no.
3: Yeah, it's like when you ask (laughs) your mom, um, can we do blah, blah, blah? And she's like, we'll see.
0: That is a no. Let's talk about it when we get home.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I I do want to give credit where credit is due, even though. Paul Ryan is not on that list <laughs> right now, um, but the the status of this bill, the Equality Act, that Congress could pass and make this a non-issue and put it on the books once and for all, uh, was as was just updated in uh, May second on the hrc dot org website, uh, was introduced by Rep. David Cicilline, my old congressman in from Rhode up Island, in Rhode Island, mm-hmm. the former mayor of Providence. Total awesome congressman who I had the pleasure of working with. It was introduced in the House by David Cicilline and in the Senate by Senator Jeff Merkley, a former client of mine from Oregon as well, Um, and Tammy Baldwin and Cory Booker. So that was put forth in early May, so May 2. It was introduced with 241 original co-sponsors, the most congressional support for any piece of pro-LGBTQ legislation that has ever been received upon introduction. Wow. So Congress... Paul Ryan, get on it. Yeah, do this thing. Like, come on. Put it to rest. It would expand the rights and in, in make explicit that the Civil Rights Act does, in fact, apply.
3: And I think, you know, um, if you kept up at all with uh, legislation out of North Carolina, the so-called bathroom bill stuff, what I think, thought was so interesting about those conversations were that they often were framed around business, that, like, businesses need to be able to attract talent. And if your workforce is... You know, diverse as is the, the, you know, country is very diverse. You might not ha- have an easy time getting folks to move to North Carolina to take a job in your company if the state is like, Oh, we're going to make it so that you don't have these protections, can't live your life, make your life really hard. Businesses don't like that. And I think that for a party that is always so explicitly like, we're a pro business. We love jobs, blah, blah, blah. If that's true. How is this protecting employers? How is it protecting businesses? How is it making anyone's life better? And if you really give a crap about that, like show us. Pass legislation that protects employers. If you love workers and jobs and all of that so much, like you say you do, show us. I am nodding so vigorously. My head is about <laughs> to
2: fall off. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to take a break from walking walking you through our walk bulletin and get back to the personal question that it, it all boils down to. What are the questions you should ask yourself? What are the considerations to keep in mind when you are personally weighing the decision of coming out at work or not? We'll be right back after a quick break.
0: Okay.
3: No need to fake an ankle sprain because you're absolutely exhausted. So switch and save with GEICO. It's almost better than sports.
2: And we're back. And we want to unpack the rest of this very sensitive question that I, I again, want to shout out to our uh, Bossed Up Bootcamp alum who wrote the blog post on BossedUp.org that originally inspired this episode, Allison. You've got to check it out. It's called Navigating LGBTQ Rights at Work. And, you know, she really originally got us thinking about this. And I've come to realize it's a way harder, very personal question than just a simple yes or no. And Bridget and I, we you know, we want to make very clear that we're not saying you should or should
3: not come out at work. This is not a one size fits all blanket advice kind of right. topic, and so that would be not good advice. No.
2: <laughs> that would go under the episode of bad career advice
3: <laughs> yes. that's out there that we have to do sometime. But yeah, if you um, if you're thinking about whether or not to come out at work, um a few things to think about are, one, probably the most important in my mind, is do your homework, yes. right? Like know what the what the, what the situation is at your, empl- at your place of business or your place of work, um, you know, in your state, know where you're at just so that you when you're when you make this choice you're making it fully aware of like the circumstances of this of what that choice means and
2: there's a difference between implicit perceived acceptance and explicit rights on the books right. know what your rights are on the books and it can be hard you know not <laughs> nobody wants to read up on the law in your state like page by page in the legislature even our Elected officials don't like to do that. <laughs> um, But HRC's Corporate Equality Index has made it really easy to look up your company. And the Diversity Inc. Top 50 Companies for Diversity list uh, has also made it, and that's at diversityinc.com made it a little easier for you to search and and see where your corporation, if you do work for a large corporation, falls when it comes to their commitment to diversity. Uh, and it bases those scores directly on actions taken in the company to promote inclusion and equality. And HRC's list even docks points for businesses with recent anti-LGBTQ blemishes on their records. Wow. So it's not just a puff piece, it's also, you know, they hold their feet to the fire yeah. and it's it's really important. So if your company receives a high score on that list, you're in a workplace that's at least trying to value openness, which is helpful. And just doing your homework when it comes to knowing what your HR department's policies are, knowing what your you know, what
3: legislation is on the books can be a really helpful start. I, I like how they phrase that because I, I think of this a lot in terms of the diver- of inclusion and diversity work, where I don't know that there are a lot of organizations that are getting it exactly right. And I've actually read reports of, you know, um, nonprofits that work with gay and lesbian folks being not great leaders in that space themselves. And so, the, you know, the, the old adage of, you know, even in the nonprofit world, sometimes nonprofits can be... You oh, know, yeah, the, bad, the worst. Bad actors themselves. And yeah. so um, I think I like the way they phrase that, in that there's always ways that organizations, no matter how great they are, can get better. And so this idea of like, well, it might not be the best, but they're trying. So we right. no you know that. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think
2: there's a, a good article in The Muse uh, called Should You Come Out at Work? And in that article, when she discusses the use of these uh, equality index and lists, she says, listen, you know, I know what you're thinking. You're right. These resources are more common at big name companies, including resources like affinity groups or business resource groups that to- uh, focus on LGBTQ rights, which is another way in which you can do your homework to see if your company even has one of those groups. Right. Um So she said, I was working for a foreign government and there were no employee resource groups or HRC index scores or anything, even anti-discrimination laws for her to fall back on. So I had to get creative. She says, since same-sex marriage had just passed in New York and gay rights were getting tons of press, I made it my mission to listen to the office chatter and gauge how my colleagues were reacting. So sometimes you have to get covert and creative. And again, there's a difference between explicit rights on the books and gauging your colleagues' tolerance. Um, but, you know, she she spent her um, lunch breaks in the break room without earbuds, purposefully listening in right. on office gossip and seeing, you know, when this news came on, the radio or TV, how did people react?
3: Yeah, that's a good way to do it if you really don't have a lot of resources or your organization is just small and it's, you know, how would you know? Mm-hmm. Um, getting creative and thinking about ways that you can figure, figure out some of this information in a covert way. Kudos to her. Um, I also thought it was really interesting, um, in, in that article, how you can use those kinds of methods to find allies, right? Because, It's super awkward to come up to someone and be like, oh, are you an ally to the LGBTQ community? You know, that's a weird way to do it. But you can maybe find ways of finding allies and finding your people at work um, in some subtle ways like she did in that article. Or look for the equal sign
2: bumper stickers, right? I'm looking at one on your uh, laptop right now. (laughs) And I had one in my office for a while before I became a total hermit uh, and have my home office. but. You know, just you have to weigh the risks yourself. You have to gauge your audience, whether it's your coworkers, your subordinates, your team, or your boss. Um, and it's it's up to you. Only you can weigh the cost-benefit analysis here and understand your the risks that you face for coming out at work. Um, and also the risks that you face psychologically, mentally, emotionally for staying closeted. Right. Which... Are very real, and we I think we've already discussed those realities. But
3: yeah, and just one other tip I wanted to bring up is that um, I don't know if y'all read from um, Ask a Manager, which is this great is advice column. But yeah. basically, someone who was trans wrote in saying, you know, should I come out in the interview? What's what's my, do I have an obligation? What should I do? And one of the pieces of advice um, they gave basically they said exactly what we said, which is you know, it's it's a totally personal thing. It's up to you to, to weigh the benefits and the and the downsides. But that if you're in an interview and you do want to raise it in your interview process, wait until they make you an offer and yes. that'll make it clearer if they pull the offer that'll make it clearer like why they're doing it. Wow. Um, and she gives this she, has, she gives the same advice to pregnant folks um to yeah. not disclose their pregnancy until after an offer is made because if they're like ooh um never mind we don't exactly. need you then it's a lot clearer and it's a lot harder for them to discriminate against you because they're sending that exactly. offer. And
2: that's exactly what we talked about with our, um, mommy tax episode. Mm -hmm. And I ended up writing a piece on my Forbes leadership column saying, should you disclose your children in the interview? And you're absolutely right. Wait till you have a hard offer and, and then, you know, it's much harder for them to rescind it without facing serious liability.
3: Yeah. And I mean, and that's, I, I think that advice is accurate, but also it's, it's like most things, it's also thorny because even before you get to that stage, I can imagine wanting to know, like, is this an LGBTQ-friendly workplace? Or or if you're a, a parent, is this a, a working parent-friendly workplace? And it's sort of one of those things where you can't really find that out early on if you wait to disclose until you get the offer. But it's yeah. just...
2: I hear what you're saying, but I, I'm shaking my head because I think those are good considerations that are important to you mm-hmm. that you are in a stronger position to evaluate after an offer comes in. Yeah. Yeah, you know know I mean? guess you
3: could always win them get over. the offer,
2: win them over, first. and then yeah, yeah. and You're, then investigate. Yes, I think of it as like persuasive communication mode of being in the interview. Say, you know, get them to love you, mm-hmm. and that should be your number one priority. And then when you get the offer, then the negotiation begins, and that's when you can say, you know, I want to learn more about this, or I, I want to talk to an employee, I want to hear from someone else here. You know, that's when you can start making demands and obviously you've been doing your covert research like any good right you know negotiator so I we I could geek out about negotiation all yeah day. I we
3: did once get an offer letter and I was concerned that um there was some like workplace weirdness and so after I got my offer I was like is it possible that I could come in and talk to some of the other staffers just see what it's like and you know doing so like I had the offer letter in hand but I was like oh I just want to do some investigating. So you can't, you can do that. Did you do it? Yeah. Did you take the job? I did not. Yeah.
2: Oh my God. I did the same thing. Yeah. It was like
3: something's up
2: here. Digital, was it a digital department at a labor union?
3: It was not. It was not. So <laughs> I think I know. Cause I did that. And I came in
2: and I was like, no one is talking. It's one of those office bullpens yeah. where everyone's there right next to each other and it's silent. I hate that. And you know me, I'm a loud person. I can't, I can't be in that room. Right. So I was like, this doesn't feel right. Good call. <laughs> All right. Good, good, uh, good, uh, tangent there. So, our last piece of advice. I'm looking at our notes here. We can't even say it exactly how we re- re- wrote it, but it's how to not be a jerk. Let's yeah, call don't, that. Don't be a jerk. How to not be an ignorant idiot in the office. And you know, we were when we were talking about how to find out if your colleagues are tolerant enough. Think about what you are saying about around the water cooler when it comes to LGBT people rights news, what have you. Imagine the the colleague who's sitting next to you is a closeted person who is listening mm-hmm. in to see if this is a safe space where she can come out. You know, are you being considerate of, sensitive to, and just not an ignorant jerk to LGBT folks in right. everyday speech, you know, without
3: knowing whether or not there is a gay person in the room? Totally. And I always, this is my like catch all advice for all, situ- for most situations you always have the option of not saying anything if you don't know what to say, or you like you always have the option of not like don't make it if, if you're not sure, don't make that joke if you're not sure if this is offensive or not, you don't have to say it right you, don't. you can always just say nothing. <laughs> People don't exercise that right enough. i one thousand percent agree I could have used that advice
2: m- more times than I cared to to imagine or we think all back did that. at some point, I think. But yeah, it's just a reminder that being a good ally means don't be a jerk. Be inclusive. Be thoughtful. Be mindful of and considerate of your colleagues. And that also means just to be extra explicit here in case it's not obvious,
3: don't out your coworkers. That's horrible. I've, I've, Yeah. yeah, like I have seen people out others and I think this is like a whole other episode, but you know, when it's. I think there's never an excuse for it. I've heard, I've heard people that I respect make all kinds of excuses for it. None of them fly in my well, book.
2: Oh, I thought you were already out with everyone. Yeah. Oh, I thought, you know, you just told me, but I thought everybody knew. Don't you already?
3: Or the worst. Do? I'm doing you a favor. I'm oh, helping you. Like, oh, my God. I've, it's awful. Like It's such a fraught, personal, individual thing. So maybe don't, Don't. maybe just don't don't. use your privilege. If you are cis or
2: straight, um, you know, use your privilege in that regard to call out microaggressions Mm -hmm. when you see them happening to folks in the office. When you see someone using a slanderous word to describe gay people, call them out, like be the one to step up and say something and say, that's not cool. That's not funny. I don't really think we should be talking like that. On behalf of those who are in the LGBT community, that's another way you can sort of use that privilege to be the one to call people out when they're being ignorant.
3: Right. Because nobody, if you're LGBTQ, you don't want to feel like the one who is always complaining or making noise or calling stuff out. That can be You don't wanna be a token right. in that way. And so if you're someone who is not marginalized in that way, you can actually, you know, use that privilege to to advocate for your coworkers and friends exactly. in, way, in ways that they probably cannot. Right, 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 right. Use that privilege. I love that.
2: And then the last two pieces of advice we just wanted to make sure is clear is don't ask stupid personal questions like their sex life is not up for discussion, just like yours isn't up for discussion. Right. Like, I don't want to hear my colleagues talking about their sex lives. Yeah. And I don't want to talk about my sex life. <laughs> yeah. So, duh, like maybe we just don't bring that
3: up also I have another one that's like very specific yeah don't assume that because someone is out and gay or, or right or whatever that they're like oh this is my gay bestie and be, now we can talk about fashion and blah 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 I have a, I see that happen a lot and it's so <laughs> backward where when someone comes out they the tenor of how they of how other folks interact with them changes and it's awful and oh. it makes me want to tear my eyes out because yeah. it's so I mean if you're don't like if someone is out at work, don't use that to feel like you have a like a, a, a cl- closer friendship or a different kind of friendship, yeah. than you actually do. Right. I, I don't know if that makes sense. I'm
2: thinking of remember when Queer Eye for the Straight Guy came out a right million years ago yeah. now, like the idea of they were. Like, of making a trope out of an individual gay person and saying, like, this is my interior designer gay friend. This is my fashion gay friend. And this is my, you know, person I talk about sex in the city with at the office every morning. Like, whatever you talked about before is still valid and of interest, and you don't need to pretend like you can. Yeah, nobody likes to be um, stereotyped.
3: Right, now. or like or, yeah, or pigeon-held, or like, oh, you're the... I don't know if that's the right term. Pigeon-hold? Pigeon-hold? <laughs> I've yeah, never the, heard it used. Is pigeon-held? I don't know.
0: I like that, though. I'm
3: sure people will let pigeon me know.
2: Pigeon-held sounds so much nicer. <laughs> it's like holding a little holding pigeon. Holding a warm pigeon. I
3: like that um, idea. But yeah, so just treat people the way that you want to be treated, right. and that is with respect. Everybody yeah. in the workplace just is there to work. Mm-hmm. Treat folks yeah. with respect.
2: And I feel like if... if if you're if your colleague brings up a subject matter, great, talk you know, you can that's fair game. But maybe right. maybe don't come in ready to discuss the latest episode of Orange is the New Black or, you know, anything that you're assuming they would be into because they are gay. Right. Um And then the last thing here is gender neutral bathrooms. Advocate for them. Ask for them. Ask why they don't already exist in your workplace if they don't. Because that's another way that you can use your privilege, if you don't identify as LGBTQ, to really stand up for your trans uh, folks in in the office. Um, and I think we could really do a whole other episode on gender neutrality. Definitely. Right? We should yeah. probably do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but just another thing to think about if you are straight and cisgender and listening to this and want to know how to not be an ignorant jerk. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else to throw in there? I think I think that I think we nailed it. I think we nailed it too. Well, I hope that this uh is is helpful. We want to shout out to all of our listeners across the gender spectrum and, you know, LGBTQ including included, inclusive, and we we want to make sure that this show better reflects the diversity of our listeners and the pressing issues of the day and that I don't you know I'm really glad we we chose this episode because I had a lot of blind spots here that through preparing for this I feel less ignorant already
3: yeah I think <laughs> um you know people forget that when you think about LGBTq issues I think it's easy to forget that things like pride it's it's not just at least in my mind, and it's easy. I'm, I'm a huge offender here. It's not just an excuse to wear rainbows and like have a nice time. The, you know, the original Pride was a was an anti police riot, right? right? Like there are real issues that impact real people's lives. People are at risk. People are dying. Like it's very, very serious. Mm. And it's easy to forget how serious this is for people. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good
2: point. Well, we want to hear from you on yeah. this we want to hear what other topics you want us to cover too at the intersections of gender identity gender um and sexuality sexual orientation so send us a tweet at mom stuff podcast is that right yeah yeah that's that's our twitter hand- i know our twitter, hand- twitter <laughs> handle um post give us a give us a post or a picture on instagram at stuff mom never told you and bridget don't we love reading their emails? We
3: love reading emails. I know it's a little old fashioned, <laughs> but we love it. And you can sh- mm-hmm. shout us out at email at momstuff at com.
1: So here's something that some of you might find shocking.